This podcast is hosted by me, Sarah Munder. I am a mom of three, and like you, I love to listen to podcasts. I have goals that I'm working on. I am motivated to live my best life. And as a life and business coach, I love helping my fellow moms get out of a rut, make huge breakthroughs, and step into the level 10 version of their lives. Now, I created this podcast to help you get motivated and feel inspired and feel encouraged on those days where you feel so discouraged and to help you get the very most out of this very short life. The reason I care so much about you and the real reason why I'm doing this is, well, for one, you're my sister, but also I love your kids immensely and I know you do too. And my mission here at The Mama Miracle, which is the name of my business, is to positively impact the future of the next generation by helping to empower the leaders of that next generation, my fellow moms, that's you. I know the struggles of being a modern day mom, and I am obsessed with learning about personal development and how to integrate personal development into our lives as real mothers with real problems. Now, I don't normally talk a lot about parenting issues on this podcast because usually the motivation for mom's podcast is really more focused on you as a mother and how I can help you. But lately, I've been feeling compelled to talk to you about undoubtedly the most important thing in our lives, our kids and our relationship with them. At the time this episode is released in October 2021, I have currently a 17-month-old, a 5-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And let me be fully transparent, I am no parenting expert, but I am a mom who cares a lot about my kids and your kids and the next generation, and I want to share with you some of what I've been learning and practicing lately with my own kids, and no matter what the ages of your kids or what your current parenting struggles are, I know you are going to feel encouraged and empowered to step even more powerfully and lovingly into your leadership role today. Thanks for being here. I'm so honored to be on this journey with you, leading the next generation alongside you, friend. This is the Motivation for Mom Show, a personal development podcast for moms, hosted by certified life coach and fellow mama, Sarah Munder. Each week, Sarah will bring you motivation, inspiration, and personal empowerment to help you show up even stronger for your family and be the mom and woman you were meant to be. You sacrifice so much of yourself every day, and it's time to take at least a few minutes and invest this time into nurturing yourself and filling your soul. You are worthy and you deserve it. Ready, Mama? Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to download your free copy of The Mama Miracle, which is a worksheet I created to help you get out of a rut, start your day with clarity and intention, and start manifesting some really positive changes in your life. Mom life can feel really hard at times, and sometimes we just need to take a few minutes and brain dump everything that we feel isn't working and get crystal clear on what 
positive changes we want to welcome into our life. The Mama Miracle Worksheet was originally one of my best-selling products, but I'm giving it to you for absolutely free. Just go to themamamiracle.com, click on the banner at the top of the page, put in your name and best email address, and I'll email it over to you immediately so you can print it out and fill it out as many times as you need to get your mind right and start creating some mama miracles. You have more power than you realize, and I'd love to help you find that power in this life-changing worksheet. So go get your copy of The Mama Miracle for free at themamamiracle.com. Now, go enjoy the episode. I'm sure you would agree that we all have our good and bad days with our kids. Don't think for a second that just because I'm a coach that I don't have those days where my kids have absolute meltdowns. I'm talking like World War III style. Don't think for a second that I don't have those days where I feel completely overwhelmed in parenthood, where I feel like I'm failing at absolutely everything, including parenting, where I am convinced I'm ruining my kids for life because I definitely have those days, which is exactly why I do what I do. I come on here and I share with you what's working for me, how I'm pulling myself through the difficult journey of motherhood and how I'm working to get my mind right. Like they say, there ain't no hood like motherhood. Since becoming a mom, I wonder, do you ever worry about what people think of the way you parent your kids? Oh, you don't? Yeah, me either. <laughs> Just kidding. Of course I do. Like all the time. And I have had to do a lot of consistent work to overcome worrying about what other people think of me as a mom. It's not easy. But the one thing I always try to remind myself is that the most important thing is not what people think, but that I am actually connected to my kids and that they feel connected to me and that they trust me as their mom to have their best interest at heart. And so that's just a little tip. People say you shouldn't worry about what other people think of you. I'm going to call BS on that. I think you should worry about what you think of you. And I think you should worry about what your kids think of you. And for anyone out there who disagrees, that's okay. I don't mean like worrying about whether my kids think I'm cool. I'm so beyond worrying about whether or not my kids think I'm cool. But it's about connection. For me, the most important thing is my relationship with my kids. And no one else's opinion is worth worrying about. Because only I know whether I'm connected to my kids or not. I will say, though, I still find myself thinking about what other people might think of me as a parent and whether or not their opinions are accurate. So the other day, I was at my little brother's baseball game. I have an eight-year-old little brother, my stepbrother who lives near us. He lives like 10 minutes away. And we're all sitting around watching him play, me and my dad and all three of my kids. And my five-year-old Autumn was playing on an old phone, a phone that doesn't have a phone line or anything. It just has... Um, games on their like apps that she can use even without Wi-Fi or, or cell data. And I let her use it from time to time when we go places or when she's like waiting in the car or whatever. So we're sitting there and she's playing on that phone and I asked her to put it away since we were really there to watch my little brother play baseball and cheer him on and spend that family time together. It wasn't time to be playing on our phones. And 
she wasn't listening. And so I took the phone from her and I put it in the stroller and that little booker put her arm out to go grab it. And I said to her, don't you touch that phone. And wouldn't you believe that she looked me in the eye, grabbed the phone out of the stroller and ran away with it laughing. I was furious. I'm talking quiet because she's in the other room. Number one, because she didn't listen to me. And number two, I was so mad that I was going to have to go and chase her. And my little Autumn, she's tiny, but she's fast. She can outrun any of us. But I think the biggest reason I was mad was because she made me look like a fool. And in that moment, I was telling myself that I was a terrible mom and that I was doing everything wrong if my child doesn't listen to me. Do you see how we formulate these stories in the blink of an eye, even very subconsciously, that affect how we feel in that moment? It felt devastating. So of course, in my sternest voice, I yell to her to come back here at once and she doesn't listen one bit. She straight up keeps running and I'm not even kidding, I could not catch her. And she thought it was the funniest thing. I'm pretty sure that there were flames coming out of my ears because I was so angry. And of course, she was laughing hysterically the whole time. And it was one of those moments where you're like, well, what the hell do I do now? You know? And of course, we're at a baseball game surrounded by parents watching the whole thing go down. And I feel absolutely horrified at what those parents must all think of my super effective parenting skills in that moment. Mom of the year over here, people. I literally had to just wait and stop chasing her and sneak up behind her and grab her so she wouldn't run away and then take the phone from her, basically wrestle her back to where we were sitting while she was kicking and fighting me and figure out what to do with her at that point. And it was clear to me that in that moment, during that whole show she put on, she was very dysregulated, but not like crying and screaming dysregulated, but like laughing dysregulated. Do your kids ever do that where they go like insane for a little while? It's almost like they're laughing like little disturbed clowns or something. I honestly don't know what's going on. I could really use Dr. Willis's opinion on all of this. Remember Dr. Willis, she was on the show before. I've been meaning to call her and talk to her about the whole situation. It was like she knew she was in trouble and it was more of like a nervous laugh than an entertained laugh. But it was like she had no control over herself. At that point, she just kept reaching like she was going to get the phone again out of the stroller. So I knew it was time to leave, which was really frustrating because I wanted to stay and finish watching the game. But that was it. I had to get her home. It was the only thing that I could do to break the crazy spell. Autumn is my middle child. And while she's incredibly sweet and smart and fun and silly... She's also definitely the most intense. She's very fiery. She has a tendency to be very physically aggressive, and she's very sensitive to not getting enough sleep, or if she's had too much sugar, she'll definitely go into that lizard brain meltdown mode that Dr. Dan Siegel talks about, where there's just no getting through to her. And in those situations where I can't control her and she's putting herself or someone else in danger, I've found that the only thing I can do is 
physically remove her from the situation, which, as I'm sure you're familiar with, is such an exhausting thing to do, to try to physically remove your child from a situation, a child who is kicking and screaming and out of control. Sorry, you probably hear my dogs barking in the background. So I was talking to my dad later after the game. He had come over for dinner later that night, and he was there, and he saw the whole thing. And he brought up the fact that that could have been a very dangerous situation. You know, like if there was a car coming, and she didn't see the car coming, but I did, and she wasn't listening to me when I said stop or come here. And say hypothetically we were hiking or something and there was a ledge that she didn't see and she got too close when she was in that lizard brain meltdown mode. It could be very, very dangerous. And that's what scares me the most. Autumn has always been the one that I worry about the most. Not only is she stubborn and intense, but she's absolutely fearless. So needless to say, she's the one that I stay up late (laughs) worrying about. What could happen to her? How can I help her? What does she need? How can I better connect with her? How can I be a better mom to her? So my dad and I were talking about this, and I asked him, do you have any suggestions of what I could do better as a parent? And his response was, oh, I don't think you want to have that conversation with me. And I was like, uh, sure, let's have it. And he said, I think it's a matter of respect. I think she doesn't respect you. And that was it. He said it. He doesn't think my kids respect me. I knew he was thinking that. And the worst part was I agreed with him. Do you ever get that feeling like people have a really strong feeling of your parenting that they keep to themselves and you can tell that they're keeping it to themselves, but after a while, it's like one way or another it comes out and it confirms all of your fears of what they thought of you? That's how I felt around my dad for a really long time. And it's an interesting situation because not only is he my dad, but he's also a modern-day parent of an 8-year-old. And so we are parenting alongside each other. And he has very old-school ways of parenting. And when he said, I think it's a matter of respect, I knew just what he was thinking next. I'm guessing he was thinking that I don't discipline hard enough. And when I say discipline, yes, I mean like spanking. Because to him in that scenario at the baseball game, he probably thought I should have punished her. But I knew that it wasn't the time for punishment. It wasn't the time for her to learn the lesson. There was no lesson that she was going to learn in the mental state that she was in. And for one, I don't believe in spanking. And since he didn't actually see me discipline her when she put on that little show, then he must have assumed that she just has no respect for me because I don't discipline her. And of course, all of this is in my head, and we didn't actually get this far in our conversation. All he said was that she doesn't respect me. But we've had debates about punishment and discipline before, and so my brain kind of went to, that's what he must have been thinking. I could be wrong. Meanwhile, in the moment when he said it was a matter of her not respecting me, I realized what it was. I know my kids well enough to know whether we are truly connected or not in any given moment. And I knew that I didn't have a good enough connection with Autumn to have her attention, even when she was overtired and going into that lizard brain. There's a break somewhere in our relationship. There's something that I'm not doing that she's needing in order to feel that she must always listen to me. 
And that's the tough part about parenting, right? Like trying to figure out the best approach to meeting your child's needs. Often children act out when they're needing attention. Even negative attention is attention. And it's common, especially for middle children, to feel more neglected when the oldest child or the baby is getting most of the attention. And so I've personally made it a point to make sure that each child feels that I deeply value our relationship above everything else. It's my intention at least, and I don't always succeed. Now, I knew that there did have to be a consequence involved for the stunt she pulled at the baseball game. And naturally, the consequence that was related to what happened was not having the phone. She showed me that she wasn't ready to have a phone of her own to play with. And when I told her this later, of course, she was devastated. And so was I, quite frankly. But I have to be consistent with what I say the consequences are so that she knows what to expect when she disobeys me in the future. Hey, it's Sarah. And real quick, I wanted to jump in here and tell you about my new 21-day planner challenge. You already know that the key to getting organized and staying organized is to regularly use your planner every single day. For me, this is an absolute daily non-negotiable because for me to show up fully as a mom and a wife and a business owner, I rely on my planner to help me make sure that I get done what I need to get done and make space in my life for things that make me happy and bring me joy. Well, in my 21-day planner challenge that you're going to love, I want to help you build the habit of using your planner by holding your hand, so to speak, for 21 days in a row and give you a quick and easy, actionable assignment each day in using your planner. You can join this 21-day planner challenge right now today on your phone for just $19. So for less than a dollar a day, you're going to get the coaching and accountability via email to make using your planner a healthy and positive habit in your life. To join my 21-day planner challenge right now, just click the link in the show notes or go to my website, themamamiracle.com forward slash planner challenge. That's the mama M-A-M-A, miracle.com forward slash planner challenge. This is going to change your life. Let's get back to the episode. The last couple of weeks, I've been going to this parenting class called Love and Logic. Interestingly, I had received the flyer for this class in my email the same day that we had that little incident with Autumn at the baseball game. I have to say, I don't think it was just coincidence. Now, you guys know that I'm not a big religious girl or a Bible thumper or anything like that, but I do pray. And something that I always pray for is help and guidance in being a better mom, in being the mom my kids need me to be. Because the truth is, I don't have all the answers and I need help. So I've been going to this Love and Logic class. It's on Tuesday nights, three weeks in a row. So last night was the last night, and I learned so much. Have you guys heard of it? It's called Love and Logic, and it was created by 
a father and a son, and the son is a psychologist, and I guess they hold these classes all over. Super cool. They're not sponsoring this show or anything. I just felt like I had to share it with you so that you can check it out. I highly recommend that you find one of their live classes if they have them in your area, or you can just go and watch their videos and read their books. Now, according to their website, the love in Love & Logic means that we love our kids so much that we are willing to set and enforce limits. This love also means that we do so with sincere compassion and empathy. The logic in love and logic happens when we allow our children to make decisions, affordable mistakes, and experience the natural or logical consequences. When we balance this with sincere empathy, they develop the following logic. Our children learn that the quality of their lives depends on the quality of their choices. And what I love about this whole approach is giving our kids enough opportunities to make decisions, knowing that they will likely make mistakes that they regret, but we have to be willing to let them make those mistakes and experience those consequences because it's better to make what they call affordable mistakes when they're younger than when they're older and they're teenagers and they make those types of mistakes in the car or with their friends with drugs and alcohol or things that could be life-threatening or even when they're adults, you know, unaffordable mistakes could be like gambling all their money away or things like that. And so we let them make mistakes as a young child so that they learn in a safe capacity. So the first week of this Love and Logic class was about getting your kids to stop arguing. And they taught a very simple technique, which is why I love this approach so much. You don't have to be a psychologist to outsmart your kids. It's extremely simple that anyone can try. And what they said was, the next time your child wants to argue about something, step one is to go dumb. I know that sounds weird, but just go dumb. Just completely Clear your mind from any and all thoughts that you might want to say to them once they start to argue, because your logical brain is going to want to explain to them why you said what you said, why it is what it is, or why they have to do what you told them to do. You want to give them a lecture, but that's just going to invite more arguing. You simply can't win an argument with your kids, which is why step one is to just go dumb. Step two is to have a go-to one-liner that, number one, expresses empathy for how they feel, but also, number two, ends the debate. So, for example, your child says, it's not fair, and your go-to one-liner could be, I know, I know. Or some parents use, what did I say, when your kids are begging for you to change your mind, you know, what did I say? And what this does is it teaches your child that you hear them, but they can't argue their way into you changing your answer. And consistency, of course, is key. And I have to tell you, I have been practicing this simple trick for the past couple of weeks, and it has so simplified my life. We really haven't had any arguing because the first couple of times my kids started to argue and I played dumb and then just used that one-liner, like, I know, it's not fair, I know. They realized very quickly that there is no point in arguing, and it's been great. 
Last week's class was about setting limits without waging war and avoiding power struggles, which really helped me too. So basically they said, you can't tell a child what to do, which this was a very new concept for me, but you can describe what you're willing to allow or do instead. And this can actually work beautifully with anyone, including, you know, a grown up, including your partner. So instead of telling a child what to do and threatening them with consequences, which I think a lot of us do, you can let them know what they can do and what they can expect. And it puts the power in their hands, which is what they want, right? We want to give our kids as much power as reasonably possible to give them the chance to make decisions and learn those lessons early on. Kids want to be able to make decisions for themselves, and we should allow them to. And what this does is it teaches them those natural consequences. So for example, instead of clean up your toys off the ground, or I'm going to give them away. You could say, you may keep the toys that you pick up. Simple, right? Or some of the other examples they gave were, I give dessert to kids who finish their dinner. Or I'll read to you as long as your fingers are not in your nose. That one made me laugh. Or if your kids roll their eyes, instead of don't roll your eyes at me, you could say, I will listen and I will talk to you when you show me respect. So it's a really so it's really about word choice, right? And this can be so much more powerful and empowering for your kids. So the step-by-step approach they gave in the second class for setting limits without waging war went like this. Step 1, put together a tentative plan. This plan typically involves restricting some sort of activity your child enjoys or removing a privilege. Examples may include driving the family car, of course, if your kids are older, joining the family for a fun night out, watching TV or using a phone or computer, or having friends over. I would also include eating sugar to this list. So so step one is all about getting clarity on what the consequences are. Step two is to ensure that you have support from other adults involved. And I agree with this. It's super important that the parents are on the same page so that the kids know what to expect. Step three is to set an enforceable limit. So for example, you may have fill in the blank as long as fill in the blank. Super simple, enforceable limit template that you can use for anything. And then step four is don't nag or remind. Kids will always come to need at least the same number of reminders that they are given. And when you stop nagging and reminding them, they will learn to listen the first time you say it. Step five is when problems arise, allow empathy and consequences to do the teaching. Use very few words, no threats, no reminders, no second chances, no anger, and no frustration. Just follow through with the plan. You made it very clear what the consequences would be. So it's pretty simple. And I'm excited for putting, continuing to practice what I've learned in this class It was completely free too, which was incredible because I have been getting so much value from that Love and Logic class. So go check it out, Love and Logic. I am going to try to convince the woman who taught the class to come on the podcast and share all kinds of parenting tips with you. 
So stay tuned for that. A couple of other parenting resources that I want to recommend is you might have heard of Amy McCready with Positive Parenting Solutions. And of course, one of my go-to favorite authors on parenting is Dr. Dan Siegel or Dr. Daniel Siegel. You've probably heard me reference his books many, many times on this podcast. Some of my favorites are Parenting from the Inside Out, No Drama Discipline, and The Whole Brain Child. Honestly, I would read them all. The one thing that I would add to the love and logic way of teaching, if they don't already teach us already, I'm not sure if they do, but it's the power of connection. And the reason I say this is because they didn't really go deep into taking the time to really listen to your child and leave them feeling connected to you and leave them feeling understood, which Dr. Dan Siegel talks a lot about. When we take the time to connect with our child and leave them feeling heard and validated, they are so much more likely to trust us as the adult they want to follow. And they're so much more likely to listen to us and do the right thing, even when no one is looking, because we've developed that close relationship with them and they don't want to displease us. For me, I know that something I can really work on as a mom is not letting my kids see me so frustrated sometimes, which is hard when you have three little kids. And I do think it's important for our kids to see us feel emotion, but they learn so much from us. And I'd personally like to get better at how I deal with my frustration and not let them see me have my little mommy tantrums when I'm having a tough day. Because it's not about not feeling frustrated, right? It's about how you manage your stress. One of the things I've learned from Dr. Dan Siegel is about getting on the high road with our kids. When we get on the low road, say we've had a big argument with them or we said something that might have been hurtful or we shouted at them or whatever, we we didn't handle ourselves as the highest version of ourselves, right? We fell off the high road and onto the low road with them. We can absolutely repair that crack in the relationship and get back on the high road. And it's always about what we do next. And so it's so important that we always take the initiative to repair our relationship with our kids when it gets damaged. One thing that I see a lot of older parents do with their older children, either teens or adult children, is they don't take the initiative. They wait for their child to make the amends. And this, I think, is one of the saddest realities between many grown adult parent-child relationships. I believe that no matter how old the child is, it is always up to the parent to take the initiative and make the amends. And a lot of parenting, no matter how old our child is, requires us to suspend our ego and put our relationship above everything else, right? And that's what makes it so hard sometimes. Going back to the need for connecting with our child and making sure they always feel understood, I'll just share another win that's really helped me lately. And with my kids back to school, it feels like there is a never-ending battle of my daughters asking for things that they want, things that they see their friends get, whether it's clothes or toys or shoes or whatever, the latest and the greatest. And... It gets exhausting saying no all the time. I mean, I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to give my kids what they want, 
But one of our family values is we don't want to be just mindless consumers. We don't want to teach our kids that we can just have anything and everything we want anytime we want it. Because although that sounds great, there are consequences to that, you know, such as becoming less appreciative of what we have in general and the accumulation of a lot of stuff, which is a battle I am always fighting. And of course, the financial aspect of constantly buying stuff. Plus, of course, we want to teach our kids the value of earning what they want. And there are just some things that aren't really age appropriate for them. You know, for example, it's my opinion that crop tops aren't age appropriate for a seven-year-old, but my seven-year-old is always dying to wear them and always begging me to get them for her. And so what I've been doing is instead of just throwing a hard no at her, When she asks me for these things, I really make an effort to take a minute to ask questions and understand what it is she's seeking. I'm also not going to compromise my stance on it. And so I'll ask her, you know, why is it so important to you that you get a crop top? And when you ask enough questions and you really get to the bottom of things, it turns out that it's never really about the crop top or the shoes, or the new toy, or whatever they want. It's about what it represents, and what she thinks it will do for her. And with kids, you know, their whole world is based on being accepted from their peers, and feeling that sense of belonging. And as humans, we are literally designed to equate belonging and acceptance to our very survival. And so when I take the time to listen to her and try to understand what she wants and why she wants it, two things happen. Number one, I get to know her better and I can help her meet her needs in a way that is more aligned with our family values. And in the process, she feels understood and therefore more connected to me and our relationship deepens. She's much more likely to hear me out about why I will not allow my seven-year-old to wear a crop top when she feels understood. Now, addressing the other part of this, always wanting the latest and greatest, I'm not opposed to my kids getting new things, but I needed to figure out a way to slow down the rate at which new things were coming into our life. Because I feel like every week it's something different that they want, right? Are your kids on the poppet craze like mine are? Oh my goodness. I resisted. I tried. I resisted the poppets for as long as I could. But after so much begging, I decided to set up a little earning system for my girls to get what they want. So they have their regular responsibilities at home, like being responsible for making their bed and keeping their room clean and clearing their dishes and whatnot. And I created an extra responsibilities list, which has a number of extra chores that they could do to earn money. Things like picking up the dog poop on our property, cleaning the garage, including sweeping, tidying the deck, mopping the floors, that kind of stuff, like big chores. And they're all worth different amounts, starting with the highest at the top. And once they've earned some money, If they want to, they can save it or they can cash it out for a trip to the treasure box or they can use that money to to buy it in another way at the store or whatever. And in the treasure box, I intend to keep a variety of things that they might be wanting. And so it teaches them the value 
of hard work, of earning what you want instead of just getting what you want. It certainly helps us around the house. We were paying a company $17 a week to come out and scoop dog poop because, you know, we have two big dogs and we have a big property. And I canceled that company. And now I am happy to keep that money in the family and pay them. I pay them 10 bucks to go and scoop dog poop with a maximum that they can only do it once per week. And if they split a job and help each other, then naturally they split their earnings. And so far it's worked out great. Autumn and Audra both picked a chore from the chores list. They bought themselves a trip to the treasure box, which trip to the treasure box is worth $5. And they each earned a puppet. And they told me that I was, quote, the best mom ever. So that felt like the biggest win of all. I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to remind you, in case there's any of you out there who need to hear this, that you are the parent that your child needs. Your child was born to you for a reason. I believe that our children choose us before they are born to us, and we are on this path with them to grow alongside them. Don't beat yourself up for the ways in which you might feel you have failed as a parent up until this point. There are so many times I feel like I am completely failing. And at the end of the day, I ask myself, am I connected to my child right now? And if if I can end the day knowing that they know that I love them unconditionally and that I want to have a good relationship with them and that I want to understand them and that I want the best for them, then I am winning. So I hope that something in this episode encouraged you to connect deeper with your child today, to try to understand them, to change the way maybe you're approaching discipline, to be more consistent and effective, and ultimately build a loving, trusting relationship with them. It's never too late to take the initiative and let our kids know that they are the most important thing to us and that we do absolutely anything for their highest good. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for working on yourself. Like I always say, when you work on yourself, you make the world a better place for all of us. Now go out there, take charge of your day, you beautiful, powerful, and incredible mama. Talk to you soon. Not so fast, my friend. If you feel motivated after today's episode and moved to pay it forward and give back to me, please share this podcast with a friend. You can either share the link directly in a text message or take a screenshot and post it on Instagram. Just be sure to tag me at Sarah Munder so I can see it and give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. It's important to surround yourself with positive, like-minded people who lift you up. So I urge you to join us in our Motivated Moms Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash motivation for moms podcast. If you need something to help you change your life, like right now, go to my website to get a free copy of my life changing worksheet, The Mama Miracle. Just go to themamamiracle.com, put in your name and best email address, and I'll send it over to you right away. While you're there, you can sign up for my popular and affordable planner makeover course and learn how to use your planner to reach your goals, accomplish all of your tasks with ease, establish your non-negotiables, and finally create time in your life for the things that really matter to you, but often get neglected. And if you're ready for next level breakthroughs in your life, in your personal and professional goals, in your relationships, 
then I urge you to get on the list for my exclusive 12-week coaching program, Breakthrough. I only work with moms who are serious and committed to changing every area of their life for the better. So if this is you, go to themamamiracle.com forward slash breakthrough. Thanks for being here today. Now go out there, take charge of your day, you beautiful, powerful, and incredible mama. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.